Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I just did the count yesterday. This is podcast number 132. It doesn't necessarily track in terms of the number of episodes uh, because we've had like Army Navy specials and a couple of other specials here and there, but we have now done this for 132 times. So uh, thank you for sticking with us through those 132 experiences. It started off a little bit like a garage band. I'm not saying that we're Pearl Jam yet, but we're almost there. Uh, Bill Wagner is definitely the Jeff Ament bass player in that analogy. So let's get right into it. And I'm going to start with Kip Simons and the gymnastics team competing in their sixth consecutive NCAA championships. The Navy gymnastics team turned in its best ever result as the mids place fourth in the evening session and seventh overall among a 12-team national field at the University of Oklahoma, they sort of know a little bit about gymnastics. Uh, aiming to score one of the top three positions in Friday's second session of qualifying meet action, the mid scored a total of 399.023 points to finish behind session winner number three, Michigan, runner-up number six, Ohio State, and the host number two, Oklahoma squad. Uh, Navy's effort was spearheaded by nine individuals who qualified for event finals, Josh Williams and my favorite, Giovanna Giambattesi, each challenged for one of the valued top eight positions in the rings and high bar, respectively. They both came super close, like fractions of a point away from those goals. Williams ended up finishing 10th. Giambattesi finished uh, 0.234 points out of a four-way tie for seventh. Uh, just an absolutely excellent performance for Kip Simon's crew uh, in gymnastics. They are all wrapped up, but I'm telling you right now, ladies and gentlemen, the future is bright. They secured the star this year. Kip is bringing in amazing recruits like uh, Isaiah Drake, for that matter, and even more coming in next year. So hats off to them for performing so well at gymnastics. Let's get to baseball. Wags. It was must-win time for the mids at home this past weekend. They welcomed Lehigh to Annapolis, and they took care of business. They used a breakout from its offense to cement an 11-4 victory over Lehigh. Prior to securing a series win, they dropped game one, which they're apt to do this year for some reason, prior to securing a series win over the Mountain Hawks by taking the series finale in 10 innings, 3-2 to two on Sunday. Uh, pitching was the name of the game in the in the final game. Shiro, Ward, Kruer uh, combined to allow just two runs on seven hits. They struck out five batters. Uh, Alex Smith led the way for Navy on offense. The series win was was huge, Wags, because the Patriot League only allows four teams into the tournament. Now Navy sits in fourth. They put a little bit of distance between themselves and Lehigh. Navy is now eight and ten in the league, while Lehigh and Holy Cross are at five and nine, staring up right up at them. So a pretty big game against second place Bucknell on Wednesday. The Mids will have that game against Bucknell, and then the three games set against West Point. First place West Point, by the way, for the Star, and indeed their Patriot League survival. So two out of three was absolutely necessary. But from here on out, Wags, it's almost must win all the way home, right? Yeah, John. Well, that was a huge series for Navy, and there's no doubt that the midshipmen are on the charge. Coach Paul Kostakopoulos has them playing better ball, uh, and you knew he would. He's a great coach. He's been doing this a long time. Navy baseball teams have steadily improved over the course of the season under his leadership, so it's not surprising that they're pulling it together. I'm going to go out to the Bucknell game on Wednesday, John, because that is a biggie, and as you mentioned, they're 11-7. and seven. Navy would like to inch up above 500 before the Patriot League slate is concluded, and you have a chance to do that. You beat Bucknell, take the series from Army, um, which obviously would mean the star, and things are going to be looking really bright for the midshipmen because I don't 
think you want to be the fourth seed in the tournament and having to play more than likely Army. But this next two, the Bucknell game Wednesday and then the Army series, John, are a chance to prove that you can beat one of those two teams that is likely to be the top seed. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole idea, right? It seems like lacrosse and baseball, you know, have, have put their their seasons kind of in this position, particularly baseball, because after the Army series, uh, they have a three-game set against third-place Lafayette at home. That's April 30th through May 1st. So if the mids don't do well against Bucknell, if they don't get that star against Army, they will, and facing the ignominy of of being one of the three teams that did not win the star against army this year but more important than the star one game against bucknell three against army and then three against uh lafayette to finish the year i'm telling you they've got to get wins out of these series or else yeah the the teams behind them notably lehigh and holy cross will be will be trying to bounce them out and end their postseason before it even begins uh, one team that will not have to worry about the postseason, in fact, they locked up their postseason spot, is your number 24-ranked Navy women's lacrosse team. They are now 12-2, and 6-0 in the league after they posted a 13-9 victory over Holy Cross up in Worcester on Saturday afternoon. Uh, like I said, that gets them into the Patriot League tournament. Where they are in the tournament has yet to be determined because they have a tough little road coming in too, which Wags will tell you about. But Reagan Roloffs, like she's done all year, she led the way with another hattie. It's her eighth hat trick in the last nine contests. That, ladies and gentlemen, is All-America type of numbers. But we'll see where the uh, postseason awards rack out for her. Uh, Lily Denton, Tori DiCarlo, Casey Dietzel, and Jill Evie each added two goals apiece. For DiCarlo, it was the freshman's first multi-score game of her young career. The mids dominated the draw control battle. They won 18 of 26 draws. Uh, that in the lacrosse game is how you win. Uh, Roloffs led the way with 10 draws, and it's the 15th time in her 52-game career, a career that was cut short by COVID, by the way, that she won double-digit draw control. So tougher game than anticipated uh, with a team that sits in the middle toward the bottom of the standings in the league, but the women played through. So now Wags, Playtime is over. They've dominated this part of the season. They've only lost twice. They've got a good out-of-conference schedule. They're ranked 24th in the country. But their next three games, fourth-place American on Wednesday, third-place Army on Saturday in Annapolis, and then finish with Loyola, tied with them at first in the league uh, next Thursday in Baltimore. So I'm not saying that what they've done up to this point is not worth anything, but I'm sure their goals were to get the star, win the Patriot League, uh, at least host the Patriot League tournament, and gets to the NCAAs. Now with three games left in the season, three games against the toughest teams in the conference, they can either realize those goals or watch them all go away, Wags. What do you anticipate seeing? Well, you are absolutely correct on all counts, John. The, the season comes down to the final three games, and American appears to be the trap game. You've got Army West Point on Saturday, hard not to look ahead to that one. Knowing Loyola looms the following Thursday night, you got to take care of business with American. You can't slip up against American, which has always been a solid program. I remember when I first covered Navy women's lacrosse in the Patriot League tournament, they went up to American and lost because at that time, American was kind of the one of the top teams in the Patriot League, but it's always been a solid program. So Got to handle American Wednesday night at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. Then the biggie against Army West Point. But, John, Loyola is the big gorilla, if you will. Loyola beat the pants off Army West Point, 16-7. to So that's how Army now sits with two losses in the Patriot League. Navy and Loyola, the only remaining unbeatens. So if Navy takes care of these two games this week, that is going to be huge up in Baltimore at Ridley Athletic Complex next Thursday night. and. Uh, that would be for the All the Marbles regular season championship and who gets to host the tournament. Loyola is just total powerhouse again, loaded with graduate students, fifth-year seniors. Um, they're powerful. It'll be a challenge for Navy. And what about Reagan Roloff's career? She came from Minnesota, and she was a real polished lacrosse player. She was a powerful athlete. She'd been a great ice hockey player 
back in Minnesota was always right from the get go was dominant on draws. Well, that was, she was right away, immediate impact player on draws, but her stick skills had some work to do and shooting, et cetera. And she has now made herself into a complete lacrosse player. She's absolutely outstanding. Uh, definitely have to get a feature on her, a kind of a send off senior feature this week. I want to write about all the seniors because Saturday against army West point, even though senior day was held earlier this season, uh, the actual last home game at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium, provided Navy does not host the tournament, would be Saturday afternoon. That game's a 2.30 start for all our listeners who will want to go. You can watch the Navy men play at Army West Point at noon. And when that's done, come out to the women's game and cheer on the midship and would need a big win. Yeah, need a star there. Need need some victories here in the next two games. I'm not. I'm with you, Wags. I'm really worried about the American game. Obviously, it's all going to be out on the line against Army. And then I was talking to a friend of the pod and Hopkins Athletic Director Jen Baker about this. How did I not realize that the NCAA Final Four is going to be held at Homewood Field for women's lacrosse Memorial Day weekend up at Hopkins? I really think there's a possibility to see three Maryland teams up there uh, with Loyola, Navy, and the Maryland Terrapins. Now, what we need in order for that to happen is two teams to make it to the tournament. And as you said in, in the last pod, not really sure if they're going to get that. You know, the bracketology uh, so far is only given the Patriot League one team. You know, for me, I think you've got to give that committee a hard choice. You've got to get to the final game against Loyola, hopefully win that final game so you go undefeated in the regular season. And then I'm telling you, if you get Loyola again in the championship game of the Patriot League tournament, I don't think it's the wrong decision to give us two uh, teams out of the Patriot League in the NCAAs, uh, Navy and Loyola, but we'll see. Awesome opportunity for Jen Baker and her staff up there to host the uh, Final Four at Homewood Field. The men's Final Four, just in case you were wondering, is in scenic East Hartford, Connecticut, um, hosted by Fairfield. I-, I can't understand that decision. It just does not scream lacrosse to me. And even if Maryland uh, and Navy make like an amazing run to that Final Four, not sure I'm going to go to East Hartford, Connecticut to watch that. So that brings us to men's lacrosse. And this will be our final Uh, news report before we get into our interviews with men's tennis. Nick Cole and Dane Swanson each recorded Hatties to lead the mids to a 9-5 victory over Lafayette on Saturday at Fisher Stadium in Easton. Another must win. After a scoreless pillow fight opening quarter, Navy ripped off four unanswered goals over a three-minute span in the second uh, quarter. Tommy Havivian scored his first collegiate goal. He's the sophomore from Dallas. Uh, and the mids ended up, you know, holding off Lafayette for a 9-5 road victory. Um, this mentality for them, the defensive-minded mentality and the defense was sick on Saturday, has to be here when Army comes or when we go to Army on Saturday. Uh, because after Army, we close against a good Bucknell team. And right now, we have to really hope that we win at least both of those games or at least split because we have Colgate lurking behind us in the standings. Only the top six teams go to the Patriot League tournament. Very, very fortunate that we beat Colgate 11-10 to 10 earlier this year to command the uh, tiebreak over them. But I don't know, Wags, what do you think? I, I for one, was very, very happy uh, with the win. I was surprised at the win. But, you yeah, know, this is what Joe Amplo's guys do, right? When you kind of count them out, they come back in and, and they show you the heart that they have. The two straight losses were very disappointing. Uh, Boston University and Loyola games that Davey was just dominated. And sitting in the postgame presser after the Loyola loss, and Coach Amplo was he was down. I mean, he was hard to hide his disappointment. You know, the the Navy was just not playing the type of lacrosse he had expected at that point in the season. They were not making the progress. He he used the word regressed, and that made last week. Uh, the previous week, a very, very important practice week. They had to get it together. They had to get the chemistry back. And you're right. Joe Amplo has been saying since preseason that Lafayette was a, a, a dark horse within the Patriot League, not a team to sleep on, he said. So going up there to Easton, you're not playing good lacrosse. You got to suddenly turn it around on the road. And they did that. 
So outstanding job by the coaching staff, outstanding job by the players to pull it together, get a tough road win, and set yourself up for success. But Navy has not clinched a berth in the Patriot League tournament yet, John. So as you mentioned, work to do. Army West Point's huge. It's going to be tough. This is a tough ask. Army's ranked. They're very talented. Remember back in the preseason predictions, and it was like every Army player was going to be player of the year at his position, remember? And, uh, you know, they've, but they've lived up to their uh, advanced billing. They're 10-2 overall, 5-1 in the Patriot League. They, they beat the pants off Loyola, which has got a concern, Navy. Um, it's going to be tough. But, you know, I'm not predicting a lost Army. I never would do that. Navy is always capable of beating the arch rival. But if you don't beat Army, you can't hang your head because you can still get in the Patriot League tournament. You've got to beat Bucknell. And that is just going to be absolutely critical, John, after the Army West Point game. Yeah, and and you mentioned the opportunity to watch um, the men take on Army on Saturday before the women's game. You know, I'll put in one more plug that that this is Star Saturday coming up. Um, we've got men's lacrosse up at Army. We've got baseball up at Army. Both of those critical games, not just to get stars, but for their postseason lives. The women hosting Army down here and Men's tennis hosting Army at 1 p.m. Uh, really encourage everyone to come out the way that they did for the women's star match against Army and make Tose loud. Um, and that is how we are going to segue into the break because what's going to happen on Saturday for men's tennis? We are going to talk to the head coach and the captain about what to expect right after this break. So stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. A special thank you to our sponsors at Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 on Main Street in Annapolis. Whether you're an Annapolis resident or if you're coming into town to watch sports or for a reunion or you just want to get back to Naptown as the weather gets nicer, my favorite is a Cabernet and a Cuban sandwich at Red Red Wine Bar or an Old Fashioned and a Dry 85 burger at Dry 85. You can't go wrong with either. Be sure to check out both establishments. And again, thank you to Brian and Lisa Bolter for all of their fantastic support. Now back to the pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Again, we are talking to the coaches and players leading up to what I like to call Sing Second Star Saturday on April 23rd. Again, big star games for men's and women's lacrosse. Uh, very, very big star game for Navy baseball and men's tennis welcomes Army West Point into Annapolis for that match. Now, the women did their job a couple of weekends ago. We're talking to Coach Chris Garner of the men's tennis team about what he thinks is going to happen here on the 23rd. Number one, Coach, thank you for joining the Sync Second Sports Podcast. Number two, walk me through your evaluation of the season so far because you've done really well in the Patriot League. You're on a heater right now. You've won the last couple of matches. How do you feel going into Army? Well, we feel good. I mean, the season, the guys get to play a lot of matches, so they'll be experienced and tested in, in very competitive matches, but nothing ever uh, can replicate what you'll feel or what they'll feel when they get a chance to play Army on the court. So, uh, But you do your best to try to prepare them uh, for the experience that lays ahead for them. Well, I know I'm looking forward to being out there at uh, Tose and, and watching you know, a, a repeat of what we saw with the women you know, for you, and I know we have Derek on, and, and he's been a great captain this year. Who have been some of the names um, that have stood out and really gotten you the results that you're looking for? Well, the first class, obviously, they're led by Derek Thompson. He's our captain. But you have Jack McBride, Jake Fishkin, Jack Dobick, Sam Wagner, Jan Shelberg, and Connors O'Brien. So we actually have seven firsties who have done a great uh, – they've put a lot of effort in – to building the culture of the team this year. And they showed that the athletic experience matters to them, that they care, that they have passion for it. And so everyone else um, around sees that. And, uh, you know, obviously everyone's got passion for their sport because uh, they have too many things to do at the academy. They don't actually need to, to play a sport. But, um, but I just think that those first-class members have really uh, – led the team uh, greatly this year. Wags? Well, Coach, I want to talk about your tremendous success within the Patriot League. 
Uh, you're in your eighth season, and counting the 5-0 start in conference this season, you're now up to a 34-3 and record against Patriot League opposition, and that includes a 16-2 and record during the league tournament. Well, to what do you attribute the dramatic success in conference action? And that's really all of what it's all about. You win Patriot League championships, you go to the NCAA tournament, which you have done uh, several times now. Yes, obviously it's the players. I mean, the we've the Naval Academy attracts um, great talent, not just athletically but academically, and the direction that these young men want to pursue in life. So, uh, we've just tried to give them an environment where they can enjoy competing and enjoy the camaraderie that they share with one another. And obviously, their level has improved. Uh, through the course of the season, which puts them in an opportunity to be very competitive in, within the league. But uh, it, it's, it boils down to we just have terrific players and, and young men on the team. Andrew Tunt, obviously he was your number one singles player for several seasons, a very reliable guy. Um, I mean, Derek, I think, played number two when Andrew was here. Uh, has Derek ascended to number one, and is he filling in for both the competitive performance of Andrew, and who I know is very hard to replace, he was a great player, but also the leadership. Yes, of course. I mean, Andrew, I think, I'm sure he'd be the first to say this, that he definitely uh, improved and was challenged in practice daily and just throughout the season um, from Derek. I mean, Andrew was, was awesome, but he was always being pushed. And that was Derek. That was, he's improved every season since he's been here. And uh, we... We have not had any sort of drop off there. Uh, this is the opportunity that I'm sure that he's wanted to take on and he's embraced it. And so uh, these guys just do a great job of competing against one another in a friendly manner. But they, it's important that they push themselves. And I think both Andrew and Derek, uh, their successes were uh, from from one another, uh, not just from what they gave, but from what the other person did to push them uh, to the next level. So coach, let me take this opportunity then to bring in Derek Thompson, your team captain. Number one, Derek, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Number two, you know, walk me through, you, you've heard us talk about, you know, your, your assumption of command of the three striper spot. What, what's it been like to be uh, the team captain this year and how satisfying has the season been so far? Yeah. Um, well, thanks for having me. Um, first of all, and, uh, yeah, it's been just an incredible opportunity for me. Um, I think, you know, as you guys have been talking about, Andrew, like at the beginning of the season, just trying to fill those shoes. Um, obviously, just like a big task that I thought would be really daunting, but um, it really hasn't really changed that much this season, just like my mentality or just the way that uh, like every day of practice, you know, just the guys that are on the team around me sort of, just push me every single day, whether it be like through last year or the past three years, really, um, or the seven, six other seniors on the team with me right now. It's just an incredible opportunity that we get to have um, to lead the team all together. Um, I mean, obviously, it's um, an incredible position to be in to try to push myself uh, to just see like what type of leadership I want to have. But it's really just the seven seniors leading the team. Um, and it's just been a great opportunity just to you know, mess up, but you also have like 17 guys that you love and, um, you know, they'll, they'll always forgive you, but, um, you're just trying to do the best for the best interest for the team has. So I know Wags is going to hit you with some X's and O's. Let, let me ask you this. Um, you know, you are a local product, uh, from up near Baltimore. You went to Gilman, you know, was the Naval Academy always something that you thought of in terms of your tennis and educational future? How did it come about that you eventually became a Naval Academy midshipman? Yeah, I, it's kind of weird. I actually um, was coached by Jim Latta, like my whole high school career. So he's the volunteer assistant coach. Um, I trained with Luke and Finn, uh, who are coaches' sons. So I, I knew what the Naval Academy was. I actually didn't really, I'd never been there. Um, I hadn't really had any big interest uh, in the Naval Academy. I, I grew up sort of like outside of the U.S. I went to high school in Maryland, as you said, at Gilman. And, um, you know, coach reached out to me in my junior year. And he's like, hey, 
um, you want to look into the academy, just like do some research and you can come do a visit. And uh, I looked at some research. I saw it was a really good mechanical engineering program. So I sort of saw an opportunity to pursue, um, you know, my passion of tennis, but also my passion for mechanical engineering. And then once I visited, it sort of just consolidated just what I wanted to do for the next four years. Um, just the people I wanted to surround myself with and just the atmosphere I wanted to be be surrounded with for the next four years um, just really pushed me to want to come to the academy. Wags. So, Derek, uh, since we're previewing the star match against Army, let's talk about that a little bit. Last year, you won both your doubles and singles matches and uh, helped lead Navy to a convincing victory over Army. That was five straight star match victories for Navy men's tennis. What have you learned during your time playing against the arch rival? And tell me your thoughts on this upcoming star match. Uh, you feel good that Navy can continue the streak? Yeah, um, I definitely have learned just to enjoy enjoy the moment. I mean, I think Coach always tries to ingrain it in our in ourselves just every single day in practice. Like every single time we have an opportunity to challenge ourselves, just to enjoy it. Um, you know, it's it's not like we're playing there playing tennis to go pro or anything like that. We're playing tennis um, because we love it, and you know we love one another, and we just want to compete for one another. So that's the biggest thing that I think I've taken away from whether it be army Navy or just really just tennis in general, um, just to view it as an opportunity to get better and just to enjoy it. Cause sometimes like the stress, obviously there's a lot of anxiety and stress that comes around army Navy, but, um, once you just try to enjoy it, <laughs> cause I mean, really like it's our last, for the senior seven seniors, it's our last army Navy. So, you know, obviously we have a great feeling about going into this coming week or next week on the 23rd of April. Um, we're really excited. It's going to be a great match, like it always is. Um, you know, tensions are going to be high. Co the competitiveness, obviously, is going to be extremely high. And, you know, you're really just trying to play for pride and just trying to have fun. And that's just like the main main thing that we try to do every single year is just trying to have fun. So let me ask you to comment on a couple of teammates. you got three teammates that already have 19 wins. Jack Daybeck, Luke Garner, and uh, Sasha Panyan. Can you talk about the performance of those fellows? And it looks like you guys are pretty – oh, and I'm sorry, Gavin Seagraves has also reached 19 wins to date. But it looks like Navy is very balanced and has is very deep. Yes, that is probably the word that we can describe our team as deep. Um, obviously, we're extremely grateful for having so many options. And I think it's just a testament to how close the team is and how willing we are to push each other every single day. Um, you know. Gavin's obviously been a great player uh, the past couple of years, but, you know, this year he's really stepped up um, as well as Finn, just those two second class, um, you know, stepped up into that role of that leadership, um, you know, just learning after the first season, learning after whoever came before them. And, you know, they've really taken on that role and embraced that. And I think they've, those second class have been just on a roll right now, um, enjoying it and, you know, pushing each other. And then you have uh, Jack, Jack Dobick, who was unfortunately injured last year, but I mean, it really is a testament to how hard he works, um, how much he cares for the team. You know, he's, he, uh, obviously watching from the sidelines last year for most of the season, wasn't really, you know, the way that he wanted it to go, but he worked his, <laughs> he worked his rear end off, um, over the summer. And you could just see it from day one of practice last year or last semester, just that he want, he was there for, you know, to play and to get the wins that needed the team needed for him and him. And, you know, he's delivered. And then Sasha, you know, he, it's a, uh, I feel like it's weird for the uh, sophomores, at least, um, you know, it's their first full season. Um, you know, last year we only had like nine, nine matches total. And uh, this year, I think we have like a total of 37 total matches. So, which is no a normal season usually for us, but Sasha just really is, I mean, you can't really see him as a sophomore. He's, he's matured so much. Um, he's just become a great competitor, someone that we can rely on. Um, you know, he just stays with him and stays within himself, um, competes for every single guy out there. And, you know, it's just really come. It's we've seen the results to see how much he's been able to mature on the, over the past year and the results are coming for him and sort of the same with Luke. Uh, you know, he already has a brother on the team. Obviously he coaches his dad. So, you know, you have a little bit of that 
I guess, pressure that you sort of put on yourself. And, um, you know, he had to work through that in the fall semester, but, you know, he's just him and Sasha, I think I've seen grow so much in this past year and their hard work's definitely paid off, but it's just great to see, um, you know, hard work does pay off and, you know, just, just see them grow as people and leaders and just competitors on the court too. So it's really great to see. So coach, to pivot back to you really quick, you know, give us the scouting report for what we can expect to see Saturday. You know, what's, what's Army's season been like? Where are the matches that you think are going to be, you know, the pressure points? Um, and, and really, what are your expectations going forward? Well, Army actually is returning every player from last year's match. And the last match that we played against them at the Patriot League finals could have gone either way, went right down to the wire. And so they're another season uh, more mature, another season more experienced. So I would imagine they're going to come in confident uh, within with their ability and they're going to be confident that they're going to create a very competitive match. And so, you know, what what we just have to we can only take care of uh, what we have going on on our side. Right. So um, we know that they're going to play uh, a, a very good match. And so what we need to make sure that we are ready to engage in that and to um, enjoy that opportunity to, to mix it up with a team that's just as good as us and with a great environment. And, you know, this is for these young men that get to experience this. This is just an incredible life experience to be a part of. And so I think it's, you know, you can, you can get caught up in the match and this and that, but like Derek said earlier, you know, these, these sort of opportunities, you don't realize it at the time, but you, know, you really got to kind of step back and soak it in. And just like, even if you're, you know, you're excited and you have a little anxiety, you could be like, this is awesome. This is just so cool to experience this. So I think that's you know, what we have to, to uh, look forward to. I mean, you know, whatever happens, I mean, there's going to be a winner and loser every match, but it's just, it's what you do during that match. That's uh, value. I and mean, that's, that's what you take with you. That's why you become the person you become when you, deal with uh, competition and pressure and how you confront that. So this is just an incredible life experience for these guys to be a part of and to share with one another. And so we just want to make sure that we're out there and ready to go because we know Army will be. And I've asked a lot of the coaches this, and I know Wags um, wants to ask a final question too, but what's it been like to be around this athletic department over the fall and into the spring in 18 and two, 18 and two record in star matches. Um, you know, the, the, it's, it's obviously exciting. Keith and the women's team brought it home a couple of weekends ago. I, I, I know that you would never say, Hey, that ups the pressure on us to make sure that, you know, that we're not one of those, one of those tabulations in the loss column in terms of a star series, but can you describe for me what the what the feeling has been like around the athletic department because of all of the success about, uh, against Army? Well, I think that I don't know if I can tell a difference. Obviously, there's probably more coaches smiling and and, and excited about uh, their their season thus far. So I think that's great. But you know, at the end of the day, everyone's just trying to make a, a great environment. And those two and a half hours that you get with a the team every afternoon, you're just trying to make sure that they have a quality experience and they have something that they have looked to look forward to every day. And, you know, the, the, the wins and losses at the, they'll take care of themselves. And just this year, obviously it happened. The balls happened to, to fall towards Navy side. And I'm sure a lot of those games and were very competitive and uh, I'm sure that they can enjoy it at this time and you just got to keep on moving forward. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure it's been very enjoyable to be in the on the athletic department over there in the offices and all the people who work there and the coaches have to be very excited with the success that they've had. Hey, Coach, I'm jumping in again here, Bill Wagner. Um, obviously, you beat Army in the Patriot League tournament final last season, and that was the second time in a row because in 2019 you also beat Army in the tournament final to advance to the NCAA tournament. Army's 5-0 and at present. Um, do you sense that perhaps the star match may not be the only time you see Army this season? Yes, in past, we've definitely played them two times. Uh, I think every year since I've been here, we've played them in the N-Star, and then we've played them in the finals of the uh, Patriot League tournament. So uh, 
Navy and Army are two teams that will vie for uh, the chance to play in the finals of the Patriot League tournament. I mean, there's other teams that are, are just as competitive as us. So, uh, but yes, that it's definitely a possibility uh, based on historical data. But you know, each year is is new in itself, and I think that uh, if we if you get caught too caught up in looking in the past, you're not focused on the present, and so the more we just focus in on what we need to do and, and how we need to prepare and, and get ready to, to compete against these good teams, the better opportunity we're going to give ourselves in these matches to play to our ability. And last for me, before I throw it back to John to close us out, and I really appreciate Derek joining us. Um, but Derek alluded earlier to your son and sons being on the team, Finn and right. Luke, a very interesting dynamic. It's rare at the college level that a coach might would have one son, much less two sons. I think it's even more rare when it's the Naval Academy, which is such a difficult institution to be admitted to. What's it like for you? I know you on one hand, you're very proud, but it also must be a bit challenging to coach your sons at the collegiate level. Uh, your thoughts? Well, I, I will tell you that uh, I'm probably one of the only parents in the country that is able to uh, have access because here at the Naval Academy, as a coach, you get to see how the players on, the, on your team are doing academically every six weeks and 12 weeks and, and whatnot. So I'm probably one of the only parents in the country where they have access to know how their children are doing in college. So that's probably not fun for, for, my, uh, for my sons, but that's, uh, that's been a funny part of, of uh, the experience. But, you know, all in all, it's, been, it's just been great for and Luke to be on the team. I mean, they're surrounded by just very good individuals, guys that they can share a laugh with, the guys that'll be there for them academically and socially, and and guys that they will be there for uh, academically and socially, and, and develop a, a nice bond with. So I'm just happy for them that they have this experience to to share with with others. As long as you don't have to write any mappers on them, I think that's probably pretty good. Um, so, you know, Derek, I'll end with you. You know, you're, you're a senior. How do you reflect on, you know, you're emerging from the dark ages. You obviously have some, some important, not only academic work, but athletic work to do uh, before you can set your sights on, uh, on commissioning. Um, but what, what, did you, uh, what did you service select and, uh, and how do you reflect on your four years? Yeah, um, so I service selected uh, submarines. Um, so I'll be going to Charleston uh, after graduation, but yeah, the past four years have definitely flown by, but it's been extremely humbling and I'm just extremely grateful for the opportunity and every challenge that has presented itself to me and just to better myself, um, you know, help others around me. I think, uh, you know, as I stated earlier, like, you know, I didn't really know what the Academy was going in, but, um, just going through plebe summer and then, um, just every single day since, since my plebe, like plebe summer days, I've loved every single second of it. Um, whether it be the lowest of lows or highest of highs, I just have learned so much about myself, uh, so much about others. Um, just the, just the, yeah, the opportunities and challenges that have presented to me and how much I've been able to grow. Um, just been extremely grateful and, uh, Definitely will miss this place. Definitely trying to take it one day, one day at a time, not trying to rush to graduation at all. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been amazing so far. So as we let you go, I'm going to perpetuate some trash talk. Um, I, 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 she didn't say it in as many words, but I'm pretty sure that, that Megan Akomaraju thinks that she can take you in straight sets. You know, what would happen if, uh, if you and your, your uh, captain on the other side uh, got together and, and started hitting some groundies? Do you, know, you think you'd have a tough time with her? She is probably one of the fiercest competitors I've ever seen on the court. Um, yeah, equally as great as a captain. Really good relationship with the women's team. And, you know, it's great to see how successful they've been uh, this year. They have a very talented team. But I'm sure if uh, Megan and I played on the court, it definitely would get pretty intense. <laughs> Well, I'm going to try to set that up as a uh, as a bucket list item before we get to the end of season two here at the Sing Second Sports Podcast. Well, I'll tell you what, Coach Garner, Derek, thank you so much for joining the uh, the pod. I know I said I'd be out there on uh, the 23rd uh, at Tose to watch um, the magic happen and the star be one. So let's hope for that. But thank you for coming on the pod and good luck. Thank you. Thanks for having us.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, Coach Garner and Derek Thompson, the captain of the men's tennis team. We are going to go to break when we come back. Wags and I will kick this baby out. This is Sing Second Sports. A special thank you to our friends at the Naptown Scoop. Hey, if you're an Annapolis resident or somebody that lives outside of Annapolis but gets back to town like me, you definitely want to sign up for the Naptown Scoop. There is not a better place online to find out the latest in local politics, sports, weather, restaurant openings, what acts will be playing at what bars over the weekend. Go to naptownscoop.com, click on the subscribe button, and start getting in the know. That's naptownscoop.com. Click on subscribe. Now back to the pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Awesome conversations with Coach Garner. Um, And I'll tell you what, I am excited about going out there and watching them uh, get this star. You know, like, would I want four stars? Do I want the final tally to be 22 to two this year? Yeah, I think that would be a nice even number. You know, close out 2022 by going 22 and two. That's a lot of twos. So um, come on out 1 p.m. at Toze and then go right over to watch women's lacrosse uh, take care of business against Army. In between, let's watch uh, the men's baseball and men's lacrosse games on ESPN Plus and hope for the best. As we go out, I want to give a shout out to Nadia St. Marie. Kylie Sullivan and the Navy women's golf team. They hosted the Patriot League tournament at the golf course over the weekend, and it was great. A lot of great volunteers. Hats off to Katie Vondahide and the entire Navy golf staff for getting volunteers out there like Mike Cumberpatch, even retired Rear Admiral Denny Moynihan, a friend of the pod, our former boss, was out there uh, supporting the team, supporting the volunteers with bagels. Um, Awesome to see him out there, but the ladies battled through some of the toughest weather conditions that I have seen out on the course. And they moved up one spot on that last day when the wind was howling um, out there at Greenberry Point to finish third place in the final standings. They posted a three-day three score of plus 76. That was behind first place BU at plus 64 and second place Richmond at plus 65. It was a barn burner between BU and Richmond to win the Patriot League title. And it goes to BU. The scores on Sunday were very John Schofield and Chris Cervello-like. It was so cold and so windy. Like, I was standing next to Rob Dunn and Bill Gibbons and a bunch of other volunteers out there watching uh, the festivities. And on the first tee, it was at least a 30-knot sustained wind in your face. Like, with my ball flight, I might have hit it 100 yards off of the first tee. I I am not exaggerating. Uh, So the scores actually skyrocketed. Uh, on Sunday, but Navy put together a good show and they finished third. Hats off to Nadia and Kylie and the players for doing that. Finally, before we go out, we have talked about how the athletic mission at the Naval Academy is always balanced with the moral and mental education that you get at Annapolis. And congratulations this week have to go out to Midshipman Second Class Anders Gulbrinson and Midshipman Second Class Kara Nizuski. Uh, They were recently selected as the 2022 Barry Goldwater Scholars. We talked to Sarah Skinner earlier this year. Uh, She won the Rhodes. We've got, I think, one Olmstead that we're going to talk on the uh, men's crew team. We're going to talk to him at the end of the week or at the end of the pod season. Uh, But I'll tell you what, getting a a Goldwater Scholarship is an absolute feather in the cap for, uh, for Navy. Uh, there were more than 5,000 candidates who competed for only 417 scholarships awarded. And we got two. Gulbrinson is a chemistry major. He's a Trident scholar. Uh, his primary research involves, hold on wags. You, you might actually lose consciousness. Nano modified biopolymer composite materials, nanoparticle synthesis and applications and ionic liquids, just to top it off. He co-authored articles about his research in the Journal of Macromolecular Materials and Engineering and the Journal of Ionic Liquids, which Chris Cervello subscribes to. Outside of the classroom, Goldbrinson is a member of the Navy hockey team. So again, physical mission along with mental success. This is what the Naval Academy is all about. Midshipman Nizuski, is an astrophysics major, and she earned a place on the soups list for three consecutive years. 
That, with all joking aside, I believe Chris Cervello did actually do. Nizuski's research is concentrated on, all right, Wags, make sure you're seated, heliophysics, the study of the sun, and her focus thus far has been on post-flare coronal rain, which occurs after a solar flare, after a solar flare when plasma travels up newly reconnected magnetic loops and then falls down to the photosphere when the plasma cools and condenses. Yikes, I might have just lost consciousness there. Um, she is a current representative on the women's USNA marathon team, and she was selected as next year's team president. And this past Monday, she ran in the Boston Marathon. So I don't know, no big deal, just winning Goldwater scholarships and running marathons, kind of a small thing. Hats off to them. Wags, before we go out, I'm going to give you the final word. What are you looking at as we take this baby out? Well, first of all, John, the course that you mentioned, I really considered taking that as an elective as a senior at Towson State, but just didn't feel like dealing with that. No, seriously, all of what you just said made my brain hurt. Yeah, I have a cramp. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, I got a cramp just listening to it. And there's no way Cervello went anywhere near anything astrophysics when he was at the Naval Academy. Cervello, just jump in here. And did you ever take anything that was related to astrophysics when you're at the Naval Academy? Please tell me uh, no. I think the closest I came was being called a space cadet, maybe. Um, so <laughs> no, uh, I was poli sci and fly all the way. Um, those uh, those folks that John mentioned are are why we do this podcast. And I'm super proud of them as an alumni. Yeah, it's absolutely. Incredible. Yep. Well, so John, first of all, let's look back to last week because we taped before the announcement of the Admiral Mack Award winner for most improved player during Navy football spring camp. And it went to Vincent Terrell, the second slot back, who's a rising junior. And we had heard on various pressers when we had Joe Dupay, the slot back coach, he sang the praises of Vincent Terrell. When we talked to Coach Niamat in a particular, I think when we had him on the pod, actually, he mentioned Vincent Terrell. And so had heard great things. He's a speedster, John. He's from Hawaii. He was a 200-meter state champion sprinter while in, in high school at Hawaii. Comes from a fabled high school there, one of the top perennial powerful programs. And so this is great news for the slot back room. And I think you're going to get Kai Puelo Rojas back to slot back. If he's not the starting quarterback, there's no way a player that talented is going to just sit on the bench as a reserve quarterback. So I think you're going to have him back to slot back. We know we love Mikel Haywood and his potential. And so Vincent Terrell, just another piece to the puzzle of the slot back room, uh, adding more depth. And so that was great news. And uh, always remember Vice Admiral William Mack, who was a Naval Academy superintendent. And uh, that, that award has always been named in his honor. It was established in his honor. So we got to mention him. And then uh, looking forward, uh, I, I, Another thing that was mentioned, and frankly, I have to admit I was asleep at the switch. <laughs> uh, Kip Franklin has been wearing the number 68 all spring, and I did not put two and two together. But we had Kip on a Zoom presser last week, and Scott Strassmeyer, the outstanding sports information director at the Academy, mentioned that he had received the honor of wearing number 68 in honor of the late David Forney, who was part of that amazing 2019 offensive line in which all five starters started every game, um, and they cleared the path for Navy to set a single-season record for rushing yards. Malcolm Perry set the individual single-season record for rushing yards, and that offensive line was simply phenomenal. And David Forney, first-team All-American Athletic Conference selection, was the ringleader, and he had pro potential, John, and that's what he was working toward some NFL tryouts at the time that he died in his Bancroft Hall room. February 20th, 2020, of cardiac arrest. And Navy created this tradition of making sure that they honor David Forney by having one offensive lineman who they feel is the toughest, the leader of the group, the guy who sets the bell cow, if you will, the guy that sets the tone for the offensive line. He's going to wear number 68. The inaugural number 68 was given to Pierce Banbury, last year's starting center. He wore it well. And now right tackle Kip Franklin takes the mantle and I, it means a lot to him, John. And he said that this means more to an offensive lineman than being named captain. And he called 
Rick Forney, who was David's father. And Rick Forney, I've known him for a long, long time. He went to Annapolis High School and Anne Arundel Community College. He was a great baseball pitcher, and he pitched in the Baltimore Orioles minor league system for about eight years, made it to AAA, was on the cusp of the major leagues. And I've known Rick a long time. I wrote about him as a young sports writer when he played for the Bowie Bay Sox. And so that made it all the more heartbreaking for me that I knew the parents of David Forney. And it was just, you know, heartbreaking when David passed. But I love this tradition. And now, John, Kip Franklin started a new tradition where the, the senior, it's always going to be a senior offensive lineman, almost always is going to be wearing number 68. And so that's a leader in the group. And so now that person's going to pass whatever jersey they have been wearing, in this case for Kip Franklin, number 66, they pass that down to a young offensive lineman to try to give them some encouragement. And Kip Franklin chose Trey Cummings, the freshman offensive tackle whose mother was tragically killed in Annapolis when she and her husband Leonard were here to drop Trey off for the induction day. And they were at the Graduate Hotel, and she was the victim of a, a drive-by shooting in which the bullets went astray and hit her as she sat on the balcony of the Graduate Hotel. It's just an awful story that does not reflect well on our otherwise beautiful, wonderful town. But uh, Trey Cummings, a really uplifting move for Kip Franklin, a class move to, to give his number six, 66 jersey to Trey Cummings and kind of help encourage him as he gets through his first plebe year here at the Naval Academy, John. Excellent stories on the Capitol from WAGS this week, ladies and gentlemen. So please uh, find him on Twitter, read those articles. The The article on Franklin and David Forney was just absolutely incredible. Uh, congrats to Vincent Terrell. Uh, great job to the entire program. I was, I was out there uh, when they had recruits last weekend. Uh, the players, the coaches, they were just so engaging. It was great seeing Niamat and congrats to them for wrapping up a really successful spring season. And I know that I'm really looking forward to September when the Delaware Blue Hens come a calling. Um, for Bill Wagner, for Chris Cervello and Ward Carroll, many thanks uh, to Derek Thompson of Men's Tennis, Coach Garner of Men's Tennis, and good luck to them on Saturday. Let's get some stars on Saturday. I know I'm looking forward to watching all of those. And at the end of the women's game, celebrating that women's win by then driving up to Homewood to watch Maryland men's lacrosse take on Johns Hopkins. Hopefully I'll get to see friend of the pod, Jen Baker up there. But thank you to our, to our uh, sponsors at Academy Consulting, Dry 5 the Red Red Wine Bar, She Lexus of Annapolis, and as always, our friends at NAAA for the support and the information that they provide us. I am John Schofield. Thanks for listening this week. Let's get four stars on Saturday. We're out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.